Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, again, it's a privilege to be able to stand in front of the bride. 
even though it's not the easiest of tasks this morning. Amen. Um, I think importantly just want to acknowledge Pastor in his absence for giving us this opportunity, giving me this opportunity again to partake in the Lord's uh, table this morning. Amen. So, um, this morning, the musicians can go to their seats. that we continue remembering pastor in our prayers um, undertake undertaking quite a lot um, and during the week he sent out request for us to intervene uh, his voice wasn't doing too well so I'm not sure was this now after he committed to rendering a song item in Zulu on that end. <laughs> but we're looking forward to, to that. Amen. Uh, we can go to our Bibles, uh, Mark 5, verse 21. Shouldn't be long this morning. Just a simple Sunday school message that I've got in my heart. Amen. And reads as follows. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh at one of the rulers, rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. So Jairus here had faith enough to know that if Jesus can come onto the scene, the circumstance will change. His daughter will live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, Matthew, in the ninth chapter, it says that um, she touched the hem of his garment. Um, I'm continuing in Mark 5. For she said, If I may touch but his cloth, 
I shall be whole. And straight away the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she fell, felt it in her body, and she was healed of the plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude throwing thee and saying, Thou, who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of the plague. Amen. As we bow heads. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before your throne this morning. Lord, we come and we invite you, the author of this book, to come and, Father God, reveal unto us, O God, the love story that you wrote between the lines, O Lord. Father God, so many times, O Lord, we find ourselves reading, O God, but, O God, we Thank you, O Lord, that you came in this time, O God, and you, you gave us, O God, the Holy Spirit to, to open up, O God, what you have actually meant for us, O Lord, Father. Lord, we come and we pray, O God, Father, as we gather around your table, O God. Father, may you take control now, Lord, Father. And Father, break, Father God, the bread of life unto us, O Lord. Father God, we come now, Lord, Father. As I come, O Lord, I surrender all that I am to Thee, O Lord, Father. I pray, O God, may You come and circumcise my thoughts, O God. Circumcise my voice, O God, Father. My vocal cords, O Lord, I surrender to Thee, O God. May You come, O Lord, and may Your Word, O God, go forth now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. can take the comfort of our seats. So we all very, very familiar um, with this story. It's really an encouraging um, story of how this lady that, that had an issue struggled for so long and at the right moment she took a chance and she stretched out and touch the hem of his garment. Well, this morning, um, my title will be Desperation, and subtitle, Reach Out and Touch Him. Amen? So, I would just like to go a step back and look at the hem of his garment. Um, the Jews had a instruction, a certain instruction 
um, that was given unto Moses in Numbers 15, verse 37. The Bible said, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they may make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the, bo- of the borders a ribband of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a warring, that ye may remember and do all my commandments, and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Amen. So, this fringes that it's, is referred to here in the Amplified Bible, it's tassels. So, a tassel is basically uh, a decoration of some sort. And if you go and research uh, the Jewish uh, garment, you'll find that this tassel is a few pieces of string that they bound together and they plait it till a certain point and then it, la- it hangs loose. So the instruction was that on the four corners of the garment, they need to put this decoration. Um, and specifically, it needed to have a blue ribbon. This blue ribbon would then serve as a reminder of God's commandment to, the, to His children. This blue ribbon would then serve as a reminder to God's promises to them. And a lot of times when you find you you get a man that is troubled, um, he feels like if the weight of the world is on his shoulders. Many a times you'll find that man doesn't walk up straight, he won't look um, proud, he won't look um, like if he's got victory. He'll generally walk with his head bowed down because it feels so heavy. feels like if everything is pressing. And at that moment, if he looks down, he'll see the tassel on his brother's garment. This is where that tassel would then remind him that you need to look up to what God's promises is. You don't need to look down. That, that reminder will automatically ignite you to look up and remember that your help cometh from the Lord. Amen. Amen. That you should look up to the sky and not down um, onto, onto the ground. And in this time that we find ourselves today, we are fortunate that God gave us another reminder. He gave us the Holy Spirit that is constantly with us, 
that constantly reminds us of His promises, of His commandments. And you'd ask, how is that possible? It's strange how we miss that bit of um, that little secret. Sometimes when you feel down and you feel like if everything is just getting too much, you find a brother or sister sends you a message or gives you a call to encourage you. And you can't understand, but why? It's because of that blue ribbon. It's the same for us. The Holy Spirit just touches someone. It's amazing how you'll find that someone is battling a situation and it seems like if that individual cannot have an out, it seems like if that battle that that individual is fighting just doesn't seem to end anyway. And then one day, you out of your little corner, for the strangest of reason, picks up the phone or you approach the brother or the sister and you reach out to that person. And in that moment, that person gets victory. So, as much as God gave the instruction for their garments to have this tussle, we also need to be constantly vigilant and constantly aware of the Holy Spirit because we are that reminder of God's promises. Amen. If we go to the book of 1 Samuel 15, verse 24, In this, um, this is where Saul was instructed um, to go out to war. And the instruction was very clear uh, to him as to what needs to be done. Um, he needs to go out and he needs to destroy Amalek. And Saul went out and literally they disobeyed God instruction he kept the best soil, spoils they kept the best cattle he was supposed to kill the king and he spared his life and in that God sent Samuel to go and speak to Saul and in verse 24 they, the conversation goes and Saul said unto Samuel I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy word, words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voices. So Saul admits that he was wrong. Now therefore, I pray thee, thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. 
For thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord had rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. So basically what happened here was, when Samuel was done telling Saul what he needed to tell him, he turned and he walked, and Saul knew at that moment that the presence of God is leaving him. In that, he attempted to grab the hold of um, Samuel's garment. And by doing that, Samuel's garment tore. And that illustrates that God left Saul. That was the message that Saul knew, that God has no more part of him, that he now is on his own. It is in that moment that Saul realized that he messed up was there because he couldn't make the right decision or he couldn't obey God. So it is in this that we realize that sacrifice, obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. This is where, where Saul realized that. And if we go to, I'm just uh, painting a picture of, of the symbol of a garment. What, what does it represent if we go to Ruth chapter 3 verse 8 let's start at uh, verse 1 3 verse 1 then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of kindred, with whom maidens now was. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eat and drinking. And it shall be, when he lay it down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lay, lay, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee, what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lay down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Amen. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread 
Therefore, thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a kinsman, and thou art a near kinsman. So what happens here is that that act where Boaz goes and he takes his garment and he spreads it over her, um, that symbolizes that he takes, uh, he, is, he redeems her, basically. Amen. He goes and he, he does according that this skirt would then, skirt in this is the same as a garment, would then also represent that she is mine. I will stand for whatever debt that she has. I will take care of that. Amen. So, remember that Ruth is not an Israel, Israelite. Um, she is a Gentile. And she had no connection after her husband died to the promises. She lost all of that. She had no right even to, to basically be um, an Israelite at that stage. And yet, she went and she obeyed her mother-in-law's instruction. She knew that the only way for her to have victory, the only way for her to, to have life after this is to obey and to follow instruction. Amen. So, if we go back now, now that we've seen the, the skirt or the garment, how it represents God's wing unto us. It's the same for us. If God covers us with His wings, we are protected. Amen. If we are covered in, under God's wing, we know that He will take care of us. Amen. Amen. So, back to the story of the woman with the blood issue. If Jesus had to walk in here today and we all having convention and it's going well and we're celebrating and pastor comes and he says to Jesus, I've got an emergency. I need you to come with me. And they leave the building and on their way to the car, young sister or Sunday school child or sister stops them and say, Jesus, I need prayer. We as believers, as grown-ups, what would our reaction be? Child, can you not see that we've got a greater emergency than your emergency? You are not as important as pastor is right now. Pastor's emergency is greater than yours. We would hastily shove away or even go as far as delegating who needs to pray over that child. But before Jesus, everyone's prayer request is equal. Before Jesus, there's no one's prayer request that is greater than any other. So, 
in this event, this woman with a blood issue had a prayer request. And all that she wanted was to be healed. And we as believers, we tend to suffer from uh, inferior, inferiority complex. We deem ourselves not worthy. It's strange how we go through the deepest of seas, the deepest of oceans, and yet we cannot take God at His word. We cannot pray. We feel unworthy. We even go as far as saying, you know what? That brother is more holier than I am. Or God will answer that brother first or that sister's prayer request before he answers mine. We want to put a timeline onto Jesus when we pray. Lord, I need you to take care of my bill. It's due tomorrow. And Jesus doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. He works. He's an eternal being. And yet we want to bind him by time. When we pray, we want a solution, quick solution. And a lot of times, that quick solution doesn't come because or it doesn't come the way we want it to come. And a lot of times we find that we miss the boat completely because of our complex that we're struggling with. So, the prophet says in the book of, uh, in the message, Desperation, 6309.01, paragraph 45. When will Jesus, or when does God hear your prayer? That's the question. The prophet says, now, we're going to talk on desperations for a few minutes now. Usually, it takes a state of emergency to throw us into desperation. So, if we're not too deep in, if we feel we still have control, we're not desperate yet. As long as we've got options, we feel that we can still take hold of this. We can still carry this burden that we have. The prophet says, usually it takes a state of emergency, emergency to throw us into desperation. See, it's too bad. It has to do that. But human beings are so slothful in their minds that it takes an emergency. Sometime, something arises and when they do, then it throws them into that desperation. And really, in doing that, in desperation, it brings out the real thing that you are. It shows what you made out of in the time of desperation. It usually pulls out all the good things that's in you. 
Amen? It's in this instance where if you're struggling with, with pride, you feel that you're still able to do something. God waits for you to continue in the cycle, this thing that you're running and you up until you get so tired that you cannot but humble yourself and become desperate. And it's in that instance where God then comes and He gives ear to your prayer. In paragraph 74, the prophet says, We know it is true that God will meet a desperate soul. Now we all know that, but is usually but it usually takes something to drive us into that, to that despair, to that the desperation. It takes something to do it. We found we find out in James five fifteen that the Bible said the effectual fervent that's desperation, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. When a righteous man, a good man, gets in travail or soul travel and travail either one. I think travel is a better word. Travail or travel, either which one you want to call it. But when a soul gets in desperation, in travail, an effectual fervent prayer of a man that can show the token it does something. See? Amen? So the prophet tells us, and it's a pity that we do not learn from this. We take, for instance, example where your child leaves the service, goes to the bathroom, and the next minute someone shouts, there's a lion outside. As much as we've got a lot of strong men in the building here, I think the person that will be the most desperate of all will be that child's mother. It's that child's mother that will, regardless of the danger that's outside, step out to go and save that child because of desperation. Because that mother understands the sacrifice that she made. She knows what it meant to carry that child for nine months. So that parent or that mother, out of desperation, will act. So we go and we see Jesus most probably sitting uh, with the disciples and Jairus comes running in and this man was desperate. He was in a hurry. Come quickly, my daughter is dying. Please hurry. Wonder if he even greeted the disciples that was with Jesus. Because in that moment he must have been desperate. In that moment he must have been pushed to a point where 
I mean, this, he had access to servants. He could have sent a message. He could have sent a deacon to go and call Jesus. But desperation pushed him to go south. And he goes and he pleads with Jesus. Master, please, hurry. And in this, they still have to make their way through the crowds. And it's strange how when you're in a hurry, there's always some blockage. you late for church, you're going to find the speed cop at the end of the road stopping all the cars. Late for a meeting, you're rushing. That day there's an accident on the highway. So, in this case, Jairus must have been frustrated as well. He must have felt, you know what, can't we just rush? Can't Jesus just give a word and let's go through? And it didn't work that way. Instead, Jesus stopped for a desperate woman's cry. Jesus stopped for this woman. And if you look at it, you can ask yourself, but she's been struggling for 12 years with this sickness, this plague. She could have waited another 30 minutes till we're back. Could have waited an hour, four hours after the service or even tomorrow. I mean, she's been waiting for 12 years. My daughter is dying. But yet, Jesus went and he stood still to attend to a desperate woman's prayer. And this just goes to show that Jesus doesn't operate, he's not time-bound. He is eternal because to him, whether he made it to Jairus' house on time or late, the outcome would still be the same. I mean, in this, we, we just see this miracle that happened now. This woman is, is completely healed. And yet, we tend to forget that there's more to the story than just that. Jesus stops and he says, virtue has left me. He could have continued, but he stopped. The story could have still had the same outcome. The woman was healed. Jairus' daughter was healed. But Jesus deemed it more important to hear that woman's cry. He deemed it more important. And it is strange that in that time a woman didn't have the place to be able to approach a man in that she couldn't she was frowned upon and even worse because this woman with the plague in her instance she was frowned upon even more 
And if we look in Leviticus 15, verse 1, No, sorry. Leviticus 15, 19. Now, this is just some background as to how this woman needs to be treated and how she needs to carry herself. And if a, if a woman have an issue and an issue in her flesh be blood, meaning she's on a cycle, she shall be put she shall be put apart seven days and whosoever touched her shall be unclean until the even. So anyone that makes contact with her will also be unclean. And everything that she lieth upon in her separation shall be unclean. Everything also she sitted upon shall be unclean. And whosoever touched her bed shall wash his clothes and bath himself in water and be unclean until the even. So it, it's actually an inconvenience to touch or make contact with a woman that's on a cycle at this stage. Think about it. They don't have the luxuries that we have of running water unless you're in wheat bank. They don't have the luxuries of washing machines. They don't have access. So I would believe that it was an inconvenience. You had to take the time to go and get water, prepare your bath. And in that time also, you cannot make contact with someone else because you already made contact with someone that was unclean. And whosoever touched anything that she sat upon shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And if it be on her bed or anything whereon she sitteth, when he touched it, he shall be unclean until the even. And if any man lie with her at all and her flowers be upon him, he shall be unclean seven days and all the bed thereon he lieth shall be unclean. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, so if it continues for more than uh, the seven-day separation period, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the day of her separation." She shall be unclean. So, this woman for 12 years had to be separated. For 12 years, she had to go through this. And we cannot fathom how that must have felt. She must have feel, felt depressed, hurt unloved because if she had children she couldn't even touch her children if she had a husband he couldn't come near family 
I think if we must take example, if that person in today's time had to enter, I mean, who of us would even want to sit next to her because of the inconvenience of being unclean? And this woman went through all of that. She couldn't even go to the marketplace because at the market, surely she would have to trade. So anything she touched, you touch, then you're unclean. So socially, she's been cut off. We had a glimpse of what this woman made, went through during the COVID time when we were supposed to be isolated and South Africans don't believe in distance. If you listen to the stories and you see during the time to what lengths people went through to socialize. And even after this COVID, I don't know, I think when 31st December, we thought the 1st of January 2022, it will be something of the past, and it continued. And today, I mean, this is now almost three years, we still see the impact of the COVID, that COVID had on our lives. You go and you read and you see how many people were depressed. I mean, for people, how many marriages broke down in this time? So it's a ripple effect. And here this woman went through this for 12 years. She had to struggle on her own for 12 years. And at the right time, she heard the commotion outside. She knew inside of her that regardless of what she's going to push through. And in that moment, she must still have felt shame. She must have felt alone. She must have felt that everything is against her because she had to push through the crowd. And she couldn't face Jesus face on. No, the Bible said she came from the back and she touched the hem of his garment. So it goes to show that she was desperate, so desperate that she tried all means to avoid rejection. Because I think if any of us in that state would have seen her, someone should have said, listen, whoa, this woman doesn't belong here. Someone would have stopped and We know that the Bible says that Queen Esther, I mean, this was the queen, she was married to the king. 
she had to prepare herself for audience with the king. She had to make time and sit and be alone and prepare just to have a word with the king. So what this woman would have had to go through to be able to approach Jesus, it would have been impossible for her to be healed. Because firstly, the issue of her blood has not been resolved. I mean, she must have been desperate. She's, she lost everything. She had nothing left. She spent all her money. She gave up everything that she had. And yet still nothing. Yet still she was not healed. How many of us feel that way? That we've got nothing left. In that moment is where we become desperate. It's in that moment that we disregard protocol. It's in that moment that we become earnest. And that is when Jesus stands still. It's in that minute that regardless of the noise around, He stops to listen to our cry. And what's so beautiful about this is that even though she had an unclean spirit, or she was unclean, it didn't make Jesus unclean for socializing with her. In fact, it had the inverse because she was unclean and she touched Jesus, she became clean. So that meant so much. And Job asked the question. He says, Who can bring a clean thing out of, out of an unclean? No one. That is what Job says. That no one can. So no man can take something that's unclean and make it clean. But Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5 and 7 has the answer. Says, then said I, who un is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the serpents unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the thongs from of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this had touched thy lips, and thine inequity is taken away, and thy sin purged. 
So no one but God, no one but Jesus can take an unclean and make it clean. And Job rightly asked him, according to Job, no one, no man can do that. And he's right. And Isaiah came with the answer. Only from God's throne is it possible. That answer is unto us this morning. That our desperation should put us into a position where Jesus can stop. And it's easy, you could have walked on and she would be healed. But no, he stopped. And he asked, he said, virtue has left me. So he knew someone in the crowd touched him. Many people touched him, but there's one that had a specific touch. One had a re- request. And she was fearful when he stopped. Because if she has been following the stories of what Jesus has done, how many people he's healed, what miracles that was taking place all the time, or building up to this, she knew that Jesus did not have to ask who touched him. Jesus knew who touched him. But now, the beauty in this is when Jesus stops and he approaches her, And he says to her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Not woman, not lady, but he said daughter. He placed her positionally. He took her after 12 years of shame, after suffering. He took her and he placed her in the right position. And that is who Jesus is. He doesn't just touch your body. He doesn't just heal the flesh. But he heals the soul. He heals the pain that you feel deep down in your heart. He reaches to that point. He goes that far. When he heals. When you go to the doctor, I mean, if, even if she was healed by our vis- uh, physician, I think if she walked in the village, people would still frown upon her. They'll still look at her with a side glance. There would still be remarks passed there would still be people that didn't, would not want to come close to her. But Jesus looked beyond that and he knew what she had suffered. Hence, he goes as far as touching her soul, restoring her completely. And this morning, that is us. How many of us might have been depressed might have been addicted to drugs, might have been addicted to alcohol, 
And as much as you are set free from those things, there's still the inner part that needs healing. It needs to go deeper than just the surface. And that is where Jesus comes in. That is where the Word comes in. Because it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It goes deeper. It goes way deeper. And the beauty of it is that no matter what you've done, no matter what condition you find yourself in, when Jesus comes, He restores you completely. Psalms 57. We look at David. David here finds himself in a cave running from Saul. I mean, this must have felt like if the enemy is constantly after him, that there's no rest. That sometimes it's how we feel when we go through trials. It just feels like if it cannot end. It just feels like it's coming and it's coming from all directions. David says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusted in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. The shadow of God's wings under God's garment. When God takes this garment and He covers you, then you've got refuge. Until these calamities be overpassed, I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performed all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. So very positive. Don't we all feel that way? A lot of times you, you read the story of the woman with the blood issue. We sing the song touching, touching Jesus. We hear how this woman overcame the crowd to get to the hem of his garment. But look, my soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Again, from the highest peak, the most positive, to the most negative. Don't we also go through that? Where you feel victories at hand. When you feel, I can finally make it. And then the next minute, the next wave just hits. And then you're reminded. And it feels like everyone is against you. Your own brother, your own sister turns their back on you. And these are the people that you took care of. 
This is what David is going through. Verse 5, he says, Behold, be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, that thy glory be above all the earth. Positive again. So, you are on a roller coaster. You are going to feel good today. Tomorrow, it's not so good. But David never gave up. David constantly, he knew to be content with nothing. What does it mean? In a moment where he had everything, I mean, he could have ended Saul's life. He had excess, but he knew not to touch Saul. Instead, he cut Saul's um, garment. He cut a piece of Saul's to show him that you do not have access to the throne anymore. You do not have access to God. But this same warrior that had so much victory, I mean, I see that as a victory, to be able to meet your enemy face to face and know that it's not my place to kill you. It's not my place to take your life. I mean, to us, you just want to step on his head, you will forbid. doesn't. And David knew that. So today, when we look at our blue ribbon, we must be conscious of how sensitive that blue ribbon is. That blue ribbon is the Holy Ghost in our time. That blue ribbon gives us access to the throne of God. Gives us direct access to the promises. And if we fail to pay attention to it, it will be lost. We look at the story of Elijah. He heard the desperate cry of the widow woman. She took the last that she had. She had nothing left. She was ready to... I mean, how... You look at the story of Elijah and you ask yourself, but how can you come and ask bread from someone that doesn't have? Someone that, that is literally making the last bit that she has so that she can eat and die. And you come and ask for a piece of bread. I mean, it must have been a desperate situation for her just to pick up two sticks. I mean, how little must that meal and oil have been that she only needed two sticks? We look at Elisha with the widow and the oil. Another cry, desperate cry. Someone crying out, I've got nothing, and the little that I've got is about to be taken away. 
That little that I have, I'm about to lose it all. And during the week I saw something. I think if I could ask anyone in closing, what does this bottle of water weigh? Weighs nothing, literally. About 300 grams. It's light. I can give it to a two-year-old and she'll be able to hold it up. But I can give it to Brother Nelson or Brother Malaka and I say, hold it out like this. Ten minutes, twenty minutes, two hours, that little water will become heavy and heavier and heavier. So heavy that at a point you'll drop it. And yet we do the same when it comes to our trials, our burdens. We hold on to them, hold on to them, and it tires us out to a point where we break down. Some of us even fall with it and we're still holding it up. We don't want to let go of them. We are sick. We become depressed. We become everything that God did not intend of us to be. Because we fail to give it to God. If we took it when it was nothing, when it weighed 330 grams and gave it to God and says, here we go. It would have been so much lighter. But yet, we hold on so much so that some of us even go to the grave with it. And God has has made a way for us. God has sent us Jesus. He gave us the prophet to come and, and teach us the little secrets between the lines. He came with the simple story of a woman that struggled for 12 years with the illness. And yet, we look at that testimony and we fail to see how great Jesus really was. How great God really is to us. It was always encouraging to hear testimonies and there's one statement that came from Zimbabwe I mean a nation that lost everything had nothing left I mean if, if we should look for characters in Zimbabwe I think we'll be easily to easy to look for Elisha and Elijah to go send them to Zimbabwe. Because how many widows are left with nothing? How many widows had nothing left? But there was a saying that we cannot see each other next week or next time with the same testimony. We cannot go and come back with the same testimony. That is encouraging to me to, to this, 
that regardless of whatever is going, whatever you're going through, is for you to never become stagnant. Amen. The prophet preaches a message, the broken system. It's basically a water well that goes stagnant. And what happens to water if it goes stagnant? It rots. It becomes a breeding ground for mosquitoes, malaria. It becomes a breeding ground for all types of diseases. So much so that not even an animal that is dying of thirst would want to come close to that. So, I would like to encourage you this morning that never go stagnant. Rather become desperate. And in that desperation, see God make a way for you. Amen. Allow God. Too many times we suffer from a disease called pride. So much so that we cannot even humble ourselves before God. And that disease will mean the end of us. So my encouraging word this morning is, give it to God. Let go. Stop carrying burdens that is weighing you down. We are victorious this morning. God gave us the victory. And all that we need to do this morning is accept it. I mean, we look at yesterday, Leidenberg was a whole buzz. The whole Limpopo was going to Nelspray to go and watch the Springboks play the All Blacks. How many of those people would have went through all the trouble of getting onto a bus or getting into their car, paying money to go and watch a game that they know the outcome of? No one would have went. No one would have went through the trouble of going all the way if they knew that they've got that the Springboks would win or had the victory already. But with us, it's different today. All that we need to do is to claim that victory. Take it. And sometimes it seems impossible. Sometimes it seems like if it's insanity to believe it. But in that moment that God takes the most impossiblest thing, and he shows you it's possible. Amen. Amen. So I would just like Brother Kune to sing um, Touching Jesus in closing. I really believe that God is we in the right season now. And God is just waiting on us to be desperate. Amen. Amen. So this morning as he passes by, stretch out and touch him.
Do not let your circumstance hold you back. Do not let your current keep you from reaching out to Him. Amen. Thank you, bro.
lovely morning father we would like to thank you father for coming this morning father to speak to us father we are so happy father that you've come this morning father and just come father and give us the words of life and this morning father as we come here father we've just sang a song that says all we need to do is to come and reach you because if we reach out unto you father you will be able to supply each and every of our needs father that is why this morning father we have come this morning father which difference needs some of us, for the needs, Father, we might not be able to be able to verbalize, Father, because, Father, there are the needs that are deep in their hearts, Father. But you, Father, being having the eyes, Father, that are invincible, Father, you are able to see even deep into the, uh, a person's heart, Father, to be able, Father, to know what is it that may be troubling a person. That is why this morning, Father, we come, Father, open our hearts unto you, Father, so that you may come and touch us. Touch us deep in our hearts, Father, so that, Father, we may become whole, Father. Because it, sometimes, Father, it does not help, Father, to come and have a healing of the body, have a healing of the spirit, Father, if that healing, Father, doesn't reach down into our soul. Because, Father, in the soul, that is where the real person, the real inside man resides. Because, Father, if, Father, there is healing inside the soul, then that healing, Father, will be able to translate into the spirit, translate into the body, Father. Because that is where, Father, the, the, the main person is. That is why this morning, Father, we've heard you, Father, speaking through our brother, saying, Father, that all we need to do is to reach and touch you. And, Father, our life will be changed for the better. It does not matter what snare the devil might lay before us. It does not matter, Father, what trap he may lay in front of us, Father. As long, Father, as we've reached unto you and you are the one, Father, carrying us through the, our life, Jennifer, we'll be able, Father, to conquer and to overcome each and everything that the devil may bring before us. That is why, Father, your children are here, Father. Father, you know what is it that they need. May you call, Father, come and search each and every of their heart, Father, and supply it, Father. Mm -hmm. Even our brother, Father, has just 
giving us this nice word, Father, words of life, Father. The virtue has come out of him, Father. May you please, Father, replace that same virtue so that even the next time, Father, when we he come, Father, and give us these words, uh, we prepare, Father, you'll be able to reveal more unto him, Father. So, Father, it, it, it goes without saying, Father, that each and every time in our life, Father, we are desperate for you, Father. And we know, Father, as long as you are desperate like the Shunammite woman, as long as you are desperate like the woman who had an issue of blood, Father, we will be able to, Father, to come and have contact with you, Father. And when we have contact with you, Father, we know that, Father, we'll have contact with life. Not just life, Father, but we'll have contact with eternal life. Here are your children, Father. As they go home, Father, they'll be able this morning to be able to say, like the people, Father, who came from Emmaus, saying, wasn't it wonderful when you spoke to us? Because, Father, when you speak, Father, it's like sweep waters, Father, dripping down from a fountain of rivers of life. Father, that is why this morning, Father, we are so happy, Father, because you have spoken to us. Bless each and every one, Father, who managed to come here. Bless the musician. Bless the deacons. Bless each and every, Father, who took the time to come here. Because, Father, it was not in vain. Because it was here to hear you. We pray, believing in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I think we can have two more songs and then we can dismiss up until we meet next week again. Amen.
Oh!